Hello and welcome to the FS Views podcast, Talk and Shop, partnered with the V89 Sports Radio and presented by Florida Flambeau. This is your host speaking, Gabe Tisnes, and today I have the pleasure of Ben Meyerson, one of our staff writers, joining me today. So, hey Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Gabe. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I've been covering Florida State basketball and Florida State football since November of last year. It's been a real pleasure to, to cover them, and I've really had a great time doing that. And uh, hey, it's a winning week for FSU. They're on a win streak right now, so uh, only positives to talk about versus much earlier in this season, there was not a lot of positive to talk about, so I'm excited to be here. Only positives, Ben says. Um, I'm sure that's that's what the next 15 minutes are straight going to be, but um, yeah, it's been... An interesting couple of days following FSU's 35-25 victory over UNC. The 18-point underdogs somehow went into Chapel Hill and came away with a, a victory over um, Sam Howell and the, the Tar Heels, which if you guys heard the last week's podcast, me and Courtney, um, speaking of Courtney, she's not here. She was not available, but uh, she'll hopefully be back next week. But yeah, we were talking about the game and you know we were trying to be unbiased and it didn't seem like it would be the the best weekend for the Knolls, and we completely whiffed on our predictions, which I'm not too too angry about if I do say so myself. But yeah, we'll we'll get into the game and also talk about FSU basketball as it's in the horizon. We're halfway almost through October, so basketball is around the corner. And Ben, he's one of the best ones uh, in a, in our newspaper covering that. So. Definitely happy to have him here to talk about that because, I mean, <laughs> let's, let's not kid ourselves. FSU is more of a basketball or a soccer school for that matter. So, yeah, enough of the FSU does. They actually deserve some props this weekend. Uh, Mike Norvell's team came out a little sloppy in the first quarter, and they allowed themselves to be behind the eight ball with a 10-0 lead in the first quarter. But in the second quarter, they – they got it together. I think it was 21 straight points that later on became 35-7 to seven run. So, yeah, that tells you kind of the whole story of the game. I mean, the, the Knolls somehow switched uh, whatever switch that they had. And, I mean, th- this team has been incredible since the second half of Louisville, if I may say so. Because uh, before that, we just saw them give up two first-half leads against Wake Forest and Louisville that no team was really going to come back from that. But... Yeah, Ben, what have you seen from the Knolls ever since uh, the second half of Louisville? Well, in these last few weeks, I, I think they've been playing excellent. But you, you look at this UNC game in, in particular, and I think this is the most dominant win game that I've seen from Florida State in my time covering them. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it, you have to give Mike Norvell and the coaching staff a, a lot of credit here because I, I think one thing that we've seen consistently all year from this team is that they – have a great fight in them you know say what you will about these players they may not have all the talent in the world to beat every single team in the country but I think you watch every single game that they've played in this year and they've never laid down they've never just taken a loss um and moving forward out of this UNC game I just hope that you know they can do what they did so well against the Tar Heels which was convert on the most important plays I think prior to like you said, Louisville, really this, these last seven, eight, ten quarters that FSU has had, um, they've 
they've just flipped a switch, I think. And, and, you know, you see them converting on third downs. You see them getting more first downs. You see them um, just around the same amount of, you know, yards per attempt, net total yards, all, all those sorts of things. But then, like I said, because they're able to convert on those really important third downs, those key important plays that we see all throughout a game, um, I think that's where FSU is winning right now and where they weren't winning before. And I feel like, you know, you, you just look at football in general. Uh, often there are five to six games uh, or plays a game where it determines the outcome. Very important plays. And I think for Florida State, they just happen to win all of those plays on Saturday and the Saturday before that, too. So moving forward, um, I think if they can continue to do that, be great in situational football and just really execute and win one-on-ones like they did against North Carolina. Um, I think not that they could beat anybody, but if you want the best out of this Florida State team, that's what they have to do. And I think against UNC, they really, really in particular won those one-on-ones. And to me, that was the main difference maker. Yeah, I mean, 7 of 10 on third downs. And you look at how the team won, and it was primarily on the ground thanks to the running game highlighted with Jordan Travis's 121 yards just on the ground. But, I mean, Jordan Travis scored five touchdowns, Ben. Like, yeah, there is no way we don't talk about this game without highlighting how Jordan Travis, I think, was rated number one by PFF among college quarterbacks throughout the nation. So as much as we want to talk about the situational football that Florida State played, I mean, Jordan Travis just absolutely put this team in a position to always be in a short third down or uh, never really be in a place where their other players had to perform out of their, their talent, because this team is not riddled with a lot of talent. Let's no. just say it. they, they, they may have some fight in them and that fight has, you know, allowed them to be in the first four games of the season, but obviously they lost all four of them because they were in good situation. So now you combine that fight with a little bit of adjustments by Mike Norvell and the staff, and just the the sense that, hey, this is all we got. I mean, we don't want to go winless. There's a lot of pressure on us. So if it's not going to show up against Syracuse, if it's not going to show up against North Carolina, it's probably not going to show up against Clemson or Florida. And I think this team took the most out of that pressure and used it as motivation and the right reasons. And Jordan Travis, I mean, we've, we've talked about the quarterback situation even before the season, and, and Jordan Travis has always been in it. And, I mean, health provided, he's been – probably the best quarterback Florida State has had the last year or so. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that. But, yeah, I mean, this game, it was it was impressive to watch how both the offense and the defense came together because we've seen the defense at times rise up only for the offense not to bring their, their A game as well, um, as well as, you know, vice versa. So for both of them to, to show up in the second and third quarter, once again, that 35-7 to seven run, I mean, it doesn't get any much better than that. Um, you know, it was the same familiar faces as well. Trayshawn Ward, Jermaine Johnson, um, some new familiar faces that um, also showed up. Jaron Jones, he was struggling for the first half of the season, and finally he he made up for it in that interception that preceded the Jordan Travis 55, 53-yard rushing touchdown, which I think really flipped the, the switch in this team. So there's a lot to talk about here. But at the same time, it's not like we learned much. I think this is like at the peak of what Florida State football can be at this moment in time. But if you use this formula, 
and you got a little more experience to this roster and Mike Norvell, I think there, there's something to look forward in the future for this team, especially with the number one recruiting class in the ACC. Yeah, and, and specifically, you know, you mentioned the the offense letting down the defense several times this this year, and I'm right there with you. And I think the thing that really was 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 different um, these these last few wins and these last two games and a half really is their commitment to Jordan Travis, not just as the quarterback yeah. of this team, but as the identity of the mm-hmm. offense, because this team had no identity For before sure. Jordan Travis really established himself like that, and. To me, that was always the problem with this FSU team because they clearly had some elements that you would like of a good offense. They had a good run game. Their offensive line isn't awesome, but they're really able to run the ball well um, Mm -hmm. when they get rolling. The problem was is that when you don't pair that up with a consistent passing game, it it makes it so much harder for, for the rest of the team. So when you do add that element of Jordan Travis, you know, using the read option, being an athlete, being a playmaker, and, and you allow him to dice up defenses because he makes everything else so much harder on them with his ability to make it 11-on-11 football. Um, I think that's what Florida State's really rallied around. And moving forward, if they are going to continue to be successful and continue to make winning plays and win on third downs and be really consistent and, like you greatly pointed out earlier, you know, not not getting into those third and eight, third and nine, third and 12 situations that they got into so many times in those first four games. Um, that to me is, is that that difference maker for this team recently. And, you know, I, I think all season fans were kind of questioning what was happening with the quarterback position. But one thing feels very certain to me, which is that if Jordan Travis is healthy, he's your best quarterback moving forward. And you have to start him, no questions asked. And not only that, but I think you have to fully commit to the full Jordan Travis experience. <laughs> uh, otherwise, otherwise, you know, I don't know if you can get the most out of him, which you, you got to take the highs with the lows with him. But if they do want to get those highs and they do want to reach those peaks, I think you got to continue to let Jordan Travis do what he's been doing. If not, let him do more. You know, I was thinking about uh, Trey Lance because <laughs> I, th- I think you were on the show last year, but I don't think fans of the show may have heard the fact that Ben is a our resident 49ers fan. And yeah, I was just thinking about how they're kind of similar. And we'll, we'll not get into that because I know Ben will, will go on forever about that. But going back to uh, FSC football, I mean, zero turnovers. Zero turnovers wins football games. You don't have to have a crazy offense. As long as you don't turn the ball over, as long as you convert on third down, it's about who makes the last mistakes. And I think for the first four weeks, FSU fans were probably wondering, I mean, we probably need to find like a magic formula to right. actually go back to winning. <laughs> but in reality is, hey, football is simple. Just make less mistakes than your opponents. And FSU, we're outgaining three other first opponents. We've, we've thrown all these stats. Um, so I don't want to keep blowing people with those. But the fact of the matter is FSU got outgained this game by over 50 yards. And, and UNC was 7 of 13 on third downs, which is not great for this defense. But they only allowed 25 points. Eight of them came in the fourth quarter in garbage time. So th- this tells you a very big picture about how the team hasn't quit. It tells you a lot about Mike Norvell and, and how he's been able to finally, it's taken some time, but it seems like he's finally been able to make the, the right decision, not just any decision, because any any coach can make, a committed decision, 
but he's made the right one. And maybe, yes, he had his moments where he didn't want to commit to Jordan, but he's finally learned his lesson. This season, it's going to be Jordan Travis or bust. And, you know, when it comes to bust, then we'll see some of the younger guys, which may give, may give us a better glimpse of the future. But at the same time, if Jordan can stay healthy, he'll be here next year. Oh, yeah. And this team can continue to build upon that identity. Um, that's about it. I mean, now FSU faces the bye week. Yes. So hopefully they, they can beat that. And then they have UMass. UMass is a must-win game for some. <laughs> but at the same time, when you're sitting at 2-4, and four, is it really a must-win game, Ben? I wouldn't call it a must-win game. I would just you know, say, as we learned uh, in the second game of the season for Florida State, anything can happen <laughs> anything in any happen single game. For, so, for better or worse. I, You know, is this a must-win game for Florida State? I don't know if it's – I think they – I think what they need is positive momentum more mm-hmm. than anything. And I don't know what that looks like um, because they're – I don't think they will win every single game for the rest of the season. Spoiler prediction, sorry. Um, but Come on, eight and four is on the horizon, Ben. Cheer up. <laughs> Clemson is shivering right now. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're shaking in their boots. Um, but I, this is the last game on the schedule that Florida State will be favored in. Mm. And it's probably the one, I think, for the entire season besides Jacksonville State that they'll be favored the most in. So if you're Florida State – you got to show that these last two and a half games aren't just you playing up to competition after being down so bad, right? Mm-hmm. You got to show that the, the response you had for UNC, for Syracuse, and that second half against Louisville, that's what this team is, not the first three and a half games of the season. And coming off the bye week, that's that's what I think if you're a Florida State fan, you worry about is that this team feels too accomplished, that there's mm-hmm. that sense of relief that, oh, they yeah. finally got that those first couple wins off their back. Now people will stop talking about the fact that they were oh and whatever <laughs> and all the records and all those things. I, that's what I worry about with this team moving forward is that they stay focused on, you know, these lesser opponents that they should be favored against. They should be very hand handedly. I think, you know, the thing is you look at a team like Syracuse, a team that you would have liked Florida State to play even better against, quite frankly, yeah, even though they I did agree. win that game. And then you look at UNC and they're so dominant, right? So it's kind of funny where Florida State seems to often play play over up, the, up to down. the competition or down, and they just can't find consistency in that. And that's, that's where I think people question the coaching so much. And I think that's where the fairness is to question the coaching. But, there's you know, you're mentioning – all the things they did better this past UNC game. One other thing that I've seen recently, especially in that UNC game, is five penalties, mm. right? I think earlier in this season, there were so many situations. You know, we talked about the third and longs that the Florida State had, how many times they put themselves in difficult spots to convert. That was because they were racking up so many penalties. And, and now they don't seem to be doing that as much. And it seemed like their offensive execution seems to be getting better game by game. And, you know, you wouldn't love – you don't love to say that as a Florida State fan. You would love that to happen at the beginning of the season. But, um, like I said, moving forward with Florida State, you just want that consistent growth out of them and, and showing that they can get over, you know, these mistakes that they make. And then they, they can fix these fixable issues because I think the thing with them this entire – season really this regime is that um their mistakes and, and there are clearly things they do wrong but i think there are things that they can work on and get better at and 
I really think Mike Norvell this season has a good has done a great job of adjusting on the fly. And while, like you discussed earlier, he obviously didn't handle the quarterback situation the best, and they should have just started Jordan straight out the gate. Um, they've arrived at the right decision now. And as long as they stick with that decision and build on that decision moving forward, um, I, I think Florida State fans can only be happy with Mike Norvell because, as we know, because of all the financial situations of college football, he's not going anywhere right now. And anyone who wants him to go anywhere, I'm sorry. You're gonna. You, I hope. I hope you're a big donor because otherwise, <laughs> uh, he is. He is in Tallahassee for the time being. Please donate to FSU. Help. Help. <laughs> help some. Uh, some boosters. Some uh, much needed college students. Uh, might have to create a GoFundMe for them. But nah. Back to being serious. I mean, Mike. Mike Norvell did have to go back to McKenzie at some point because of Jordan Travis's health. I think that's something we have to also remember because Jordan Travis's game is like not conducive towards long-term mm-hmm. success or health. No. <laughs> as much as we, we want to sing his praises right now, that's a reality that I'm still a little bit scared of going forward. But yeah, like, like you said, I mean, right now, this is all FSU has and it's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> Um, there's other things perhaps that we should be ashamed of, but, um, yeah, I mean, and, and special teams, no missed extra points, no blunders in the punting game. Um, that also seemed like it was an improvement, uh, in this past game, but yeah, going forward, the outcome, the outcome has not changed much. You're still looking at maybe three wins, maybe four, if you beat Miami or, or beat Boston college, um, and and I think we've 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 realized, hey, this isn't like the season to focus on the wins. As much as we wanted to get excited in the, in the first week after Notre <laughs> Dame, um, yeah, Ben, over under four wins, oh. four and a half wins for Florida State. I think that's that's the line for sure. Yeah. I, I, and honestly, I gotta be saying I would hammer the under on that yep. one because there are only so many games left in the season and. As we've seen from this Florida State team before, no win is guaranteed. Um, and I'm just, I'll be interested to see, you know, for the rest of the schedule, how they do play against some of the upper competition that they'll play against at the end yeah. of the season. Because, you know, if they continue to play down to their competition and play up to their competition, then I. The sky's I, the limit. <laughs> the sky's the limit with Florida State. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm I'm actually curious, not excited, but just curious how they'll turn up against yeah. Florida and Clemson, because obviously Clemson hasn't looked like the team they were the last six seven years. So, who knows? Maybe they'll bring it to them, especially after what happened last year. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, Dabo's gonna be as you'll also probably bring it. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna bring it. He's gonna bring it against Florida State this year for sure. No question about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's about all we have. I mean. Any players of the game or anything that... Well, uh, just one thing I did notice from the game that moving forward I'll be watching the most is the wide receivers specifically. And yeah. how they got separation mm-hmm. against UNC's very good corners, which mm-hmm. is something we've been talking about all season, the fact that they haven't been able to get any separation at all. You know, we, I think you saw guys like Malik McLean, Keyshawn Helton, not, not make strides necessarily, but just looks like everything's fitting together in this offense better and... I think that was the one thing that you could really point to that was obviously missing throughout the first even five games of the season. Uh, so moving forward, if, if those receivers can continue to get separation like that, they're just, you know, they, 
this offense should be much, much better if they can separate at that level like they did against UNC. But that's going to be one of those things that moving forward, um, I know I'll be certainly watching, and I think it's going to be really key to their success for the rest of the season. Yeah, we've seen them go to the screen game a lot these Mm -hmm. last two weeks. And I was waiting for the Ontario Wilson breakout game. And I mean, two for 38 isn't a crazy stat line, but he did have Florida State's two touchdowns, especially uh, in, the, in the middle of the game where, where it really counted the most. So I, I don't have much confidence, if I'm being honest, from this game going forward for the receivers. But it was nice for, for Keyshawn and Ontario and even um, McLean to, to step up uh, when they needed to this game because – Jordan Travis is not going to be able to thread the needle much. So for them to do that, and, and I think something as well that FSU fans wish for is that they would perform more in the open play area of, of the game because, yeah, Keyshawn can go deep and Ontario can, you know, make a good route at times and Cameron can, you know, do the underneath dirty work. But if they can actually start making moves and, and getting a couple more extra yards for, for Jordan and this offense, that'll go a long way because the defense will start to respect them more and they won't have to stack the box. And that's where, you know, FSC's rushing identity can really, like, take a step forward. And so at the start of the season, I think the idea was, hey, FSU, commit to Jordan, commit to the ground game, make that your identity. And now the pressure is on the receivers, right? Obviously, they, they help out with blocks and everything, but – now they really need to like do the the the. They need to hold up their end of the bargain. Exactly is is what needs to happen. Yeah, and I think in this UNC game they did, mm-hmm. and that's the thing I think you know if you really want to come out with a big positive, something that was very different about this team because like you said multiple times, I don't think we necessarily learned a lot, but the one thing that did seem different that that was not similar from those first five games was those receivers and they can continue to help Jordan more and more like you're saying throughout the rest of the season, then it's really just going to open up the run game for them. And they could run all over teams if they really do start respecting their passing game. Yeah. Cause I mean, opponents so far, they know what FSU is. They know they're not in the best state of, of this program's history, but they still have a couple of great players and, and Trayshawn Ward and, and the, the rest of the crew, but they still haven't been able to stop them. Right. Which is the funny thing because if, if you know how bad this team is and obviously they they seem to be doing better, they seem to be trending upwards. And this is college football, so anything can happen any any Saturday. We know this. But at the same time, if I'm an opponent, I, I know that Florida State wants to establish stone. Or, or if for that matter, I want them to pass the ball every single play because I know turnovers will happen. They're, they're more likely to happen when Jordan is – back there scrambling and, and, and dropping back over 40 times a game. So that, that's been really impressive, in my opinion, how they've been able to continue to, you know, commit to it, but still, like, excel. Because one one thing is just committing for the sake of committing because this is the best area that you're in. But at the same time, like, ex- excelling while people are expecting it, that, that's been really impressive from Mike Norvell yeah. and the staff. So. Any more thoughts? Well, and just moving forward, if they want to continue to get that kind of success, I think they need to commit to the RPO and and, and not just be willing to commit to it, but make it a mainstay in the offense. And essentially what you want the Jordan Travis offense to be is the running game with read option, um, some RPOs, and then big explosive plays downfield. And of course, you'll mix in some screen games, some stuff like that. That's an extension of the run game. But 
what you really want is those the, the rushing threat setting up those big play action shots that you want to take every once in a while downfield. And to me, that's the high end potential of this FSU offense is an offense where because of Jordan Travis's athleticism, um, you, you have to account for him and those running backs. And because of that, um, they're just going to get those big, big explosive passes. And then, and then once defenses start playing that too hard, you can, of course, just go back to the run. And it, it just makes your game plan easier where it's read and react rather than trying to figure out ways to manufacture yards, which to me has been the struggle so so much for Florida State this season. And I think it should be easier moving forward. I just I hope they don't make it hard on themselves. Mm. Yeah, that's the whole story about this team. They just keep shooting themselves on the foot, and they didn't on Saturday. And I guess my last thought with that is this game, I didn't see Jordan scrambling for his life i didn't see him trying to make magic out of nothing and part of it is obviously mike novell's game plan but also the the players on the field they seem to be able to execute better than ever before and that chemistry seemed to finally click enough for jordan to know always what he was going to do and for him to be able to do that we saw how he was able to actually look like last year's jordan because for the first three four weeks i know he didn't play for a couple games but for those those games that he did, he seemed a little bit less mobile or like something was holding him back, perhaps an injury. I don't know. But this game, I saw him always hitting the gas pedal and just being able to, to fully commit and juke whenever he wanted to, kind of like last year, which is what really made him a threat. But with that, I think we can segue into FSU basketball, something that FSU fans can actually take pride in and something for them to actually look forward to. Um, the season's coming up. And Ben was actually at ACC tip-off with Coach Hamilton and some of the players. So, Ben, are there any quick thoughts on that? Or, Well, just, you know, the, the vibe I get from Leonard Hamilton right now is that uh, he kind of understands his team's weaknesses this year much better than he did last year. I think, you know, the traditional Leonard Hamilton system you think about is, is it's positionless basketball in a way it's not quite your traditional positionless basketball what it is is he runs a center and then four wings and those wings can be guards they can be forwards and they can do any number of things and be versatile in any sort of way but it really all hinges on that center that that big man who can guard at the rim who can rim run who can move in space well defend defend the pick and roll well and do all those things that you would ask of a center in that type type of a switching system um, and, you know, I think for, for Leonard Hamilton this year, I'm not sure they have the personnel to really execute that system to the full. I mean, they lost also Koprovica to the draft last season and got drafted by the Pistons. Um, and I, you know, I think for Leonard Hamilton and that coaching staff, I'm not going to say that that move was a huge surprise for them because they, they probably had some inkling of that coming, but I would say it was more the biggest disappointment for them because I think if they did have someone like Balsa this season, that would really complete the rest of this team. Because I think you look at this team right now and they have about eight, nine players who are going to play in the wing at one point, some point or another. Uh, but they really just need to figure out what they're going to do about that last spot on the floor. That's their traditional center because this year it should be Tenor and Gom starting, but I just don't know how comfortable they will be with him because he, he just hasn't shown to be um, as developed as they need him to be. And he just isn't the 
uh, rim protecting center that you need from a Leonard Hamilton team. Now, what I will say is that they do have some players who can come in and substitute that role and potentially supplant it and, and force Leonard Hamilton to play a different type of way. And, and a few guys that I'll be looking at this season in particular are guys like Malik Osborne, who's been at uh, lots of the media. He's been doing a lot of interviews, and he seems to be a big leader on this team this year, kind of as an elder statesman. But then also Quincy Ballard. You know, uh, they, they're going to need Quincy Ballard to play significant time this season, especially – you know, if they sustain any injuries at all to that to that center spot, they're going to ask him to play a lot. So my biggest question with Leonard Hamilton this season is how can you adjust to not having the personnel you'd like to at center? Um, because I think, you know, you look across the rest of this team, they have two very talented freshmen, of course, who are going to come in and play right away. But then, you know, guys like Anthony Polite, who I think is going to take a huge step up this year. And to me, Anthony Polite is kind of the perfect type of 3 and D potential NBA player in the future. And I think Leonard Hamilton is going to, I don't want to say force feed Anthony Polite the ball, but I I really think, unless you're very familiar with this Florida State squad, that um, you're going to be surprised by how much Anthony Polite is a part of the offense. And in fact, I think he's going to be the main genesis of the offense for most of the season. So I'll just be interested to see how the rest of the playmakers fill into their roles. You know, they brought in Caleb Mills and Cameron Fletcher, too, who are two really excellent players. And I think, you know, I like their wing rotation this year. Um, I I like, like I said, I I really do like this team overall. It's just that question of of that big. And, And will they be able to find that production there or... Find some way around it because I just don't think they can uh, do what they traditionally want to do. Yeah, the thing that I stuck out or stuck out to me was that like Anthony Play like hype, hype train just choo choo choo. I mean, it, it almost sounds like Devin Vassell uh, vibes coming from Ben uh, because for FSU fans or, or people that, that follow this team and, and Coach Hamilton the last couple of years. You know, they've made a couple of deep, not deep runs, but for FSU standards, you know, it's, it's been a very bright period for them. And one of their strengths has been their depth, their rotation, uh, Coach Hamilton's system and how they're able to utilize all their personnel to the best of their ability. And this team lost four big players this past year to the NBA draft, obviously Balsa, uh, but also MJ Walker and a couple others. And I was wondering who is going to be the leader this year. And I mean, I remember last year, it, it seemed like Anthony Polite was making the, the right steps to becoming this year's leader. And I'm excited. I'm excited as, a, as an FSU alum because he has a lot of talent that you want for a guard. And I don't know. I, I really think he excels in the three-point game and a lot of the things that the modern NBA guard needs to be able to succeed. So not just for his draft prospect, uh, you know, status and all that, but for this season, I- I'm curious to see how they utilize him. And and I don't think Coach Ham is going to go crazy on him, but I definitely think he's going to count on him the most, especially later down the line and in, in, in the big games. Um, so to me, that's fun because as much as I want to see a team that's complete, I also want to see a player kind of take over. 
Um, but yeah, with, with Balsam missing, it's going to be very interesting how, how they fill in for that. Um, with uh, Tanar Num, he's a senior. And the way that Ben was talking about him, you, you can tell that, hey, this is not a senior who's staying here because for whatever reason, no, it's because he doesn't have any other choice, which not to, you know, poo-poo on him, but like, you know, FSU is going to need a lot of help from multiple players in that position. And, and maybe Coach Ham will have to actually change his system in the season uh, if things don't go his way. And I don't know if he has to change things drastically, yeah. like we've been saying, but they're going to need to find alternative ways to, to get rim protection without mm-hmm. a traditional center uh, because they're just not going to have that this season. And I think the, what they really need to do is, is have a willingness to – to stay home more, to 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 use your fours and your threes more willing, more willingly in, in rim production, and, and not that you don't want to be as focused on the perimeter um, defense because it's going to be very important. It's a huge part of his system, but it, it needs to be less of an emphasis because right now I don't think that's the worry of this team. In fact, I think that's probably their biggest strength is that. If there is chaos going on on the court, if there is a loose ball, Florida State's going to come down with that loose ball, and they're going to make the right play when things when when uh, things are a little out of control. But I really wonder how disciplined their rim protection, their paint defense will be, because like I keep saying, they just do not have the players to be able to play that style. And and with Anthony Polite, I'll, I'll say this, you know, I think. Going into last season, it wasn't 100% clear who would have the ball with five seconds left, you know, and, and you need a bucket. It, people would probably assume that would be MJ Walker, maybe Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. Point is, there was a few different people you could have pointed to, and they, in fact, did use a few different people. I think this year there's absolutely zero question about it that Anthony Pelay is going to get the ball when they need a bucket and there's five seconds left. and. They need that those two or three points at any single point in a game. Um, and I don't know how that's going to look for Leonard Hamilton because traditionally he doesn't rely on one player that much. But I think when Anthony Plight is on the court, he's really going to change the dynamic of, of this offense. And I'll be curious to see um, how Coach, you know, what kind of lineups he puts together this season because I think he has the potential to put together a, a five-man sort of death lineup, similar to that, not 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 exactly similar to that warrior style of basketball, but <laughs> similar in the idea that you can play five guys under six ten who are at least six foot six, and they're gonna run and be athletic, and they're gonna be as fast as anyone on the court, and they're gonna be just as dynamic. It's just it's just how willing is is Leonard Hamilton, you know, to to stray away from really what his system is um, because I think this year he just can't do his system the way he tr- traditionally wants to do it. Um, and I think he's really going to be tested in terms of his, his, his approach in, in getting away from that system and how much they actually um, want to use their athletes this year. Because I think the thing is, is that, if they do want to use those threes, those fours, those wings defensively at the rim, they could do it. It's just they have to be willing to do it. And I just don't know what Leonard Hamilton's mind is like right now with that. But I think overall, Leonard Hamilton seems as excited as he's as I've seen him be about any team. And 
I think Florida State fans are going to have a lot of fun watching this team, actually. I don't know what the win-loss is going to look like at the end of the season. I don't know where they're going to finish uh, going into the NCAA tournament. I don't really have a good read on that, but I think this will be one of the most enjoyable Florida State teams in the last decade, for sure. No question about that. It's hard for me to envision uh, Coach Ham dreadful and, and, and dull before a season, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he has something to look forward to, as well as the fans, because I mean, there's there's some new faces here that, I mean, obviously they have some big shoes to fill. But talk about, you know, Jalen Worley and Caleb Mills and Michael Brown and um, Matthew Cleveland. I mean, there's some there's some interesting prospects. And after Anthony Polite, after um, what's his name, <laughs> Malik Osborne, well, after those guys are gone. You know, the new bloods, they're still going to be here. Coach Ham's still going to be here. So this will be uh, the season where we get to see who are the next faces for FSU basketball because I don't think Coach Ham and his system are just going to, you know, kind of fall over after all these athletes are gone. And uh, I think the one thing that we'll see this year is that, you know, in the past they've really had those one-and-done guys. You know, you see Scotty come through, Patrick Williams, uh, Devin Vassell, not quite one-and-done, but, you know, quick in-and-out to get to the next level. I think what we have here with this current roster is some guys who will be here for the long term. Um, and I think particularly you look at two of the freshmen. I don't know how long they're going to be with Florida State, but I think those guys and, and potentially some of the transfers as well, like Caleb Mills, Cameron Fletcher, they have the potential to be those Anthony Polite types, those Malik Osborne types in the future where – you know, they go to ACC Media Day and the Florida State's bringing two players with them and they have to decide who those leaders are. I think those are guys who could become those players in the future for them. And um, I think, you know, for Coach Hamilton this season, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how how he handles everything with all the coaches retiring, of course, and, and uh, the changing lanes, landscape of college basketball. But um, I think if you're a Florida State fan, not just this year, but for, for the years to come, really, um, and of course, we don't know how long that is with Leonard Hamilton, but I, the thing you have to be excited about is that they don't need these one-and-done NBA prospects to be successful because in the near future, that's going to become obsolete as the NBA moves closer and closer to allowing high school basketball players to come straight to the league. So for Coach Hamilton, he's... I think he's shown his success to adapt and adjust. Um, and I, I don't think his teams are going to fall apart the second that these prospects start going straight to the NBA because he's shown that he can find those NBA prospects where others just couldn't find them. I mean, you know, look at look at some of the ear Anthony Polite types, right? Like guys like that where other teams wouldn't see that kind of potential in those guys, but Florida State did. And you got to give credit to Coach Hamilton – uh, Coach CY, that whole staff, um, really, for finding those type of guys where other teams just, especially in the ACC, haven't been able to find those types of depth pieces um, and have really relied on transfers more recently. Um, I feel like Coach Hamilton is, is in his bag in that sense that, you know, other teams just can't do what he's done. Yeah, I mean, Coach Hamilton, he's not the usual. He's not the traditional, you know, Coach K or, or big school basketball coach that that we've seen and he he thrives with that and and as the the basketball landscape for the college system seems to be changing as 
everything changes with college these days. Um, it seems like Coach Ham might be set up for a good future uh, in Tallahassee going forward. So yeah, this is just a little little piece of, of what what's to come for the for the new bloods. But with that, we can segue into a little shout out to the FSU Knowles or the FSU Knowles, <laughs> the FSU women's soccer team as they are now 13 and 0 in the season and still undefeated, still number one in the nation. I mean, come on, what else is there to say about this team? They're they're absolutely incredible. Coach Krikorian, uh, I. I cannot sing his praises enough. He is one heck of a coach. He knows how to motivate his players every time I get the, the pleasure to interview him and, le- and listen to how he he motivates his players and and, and just manages the team because kind of like with Coach Ham, he's a you know thrive in, in numbers kind of coach. He he wants to make sure everyone gets gets touches. I mean, he plays both of his keepers for crying out loud. Like he wants everyone to always be in the top of their game and. Thankfully, he has got a lot of great players. And this past week, they beat Syracuse 5-0 and Miami 4-1, both at home. And these were not very interesting games, obviously, blowout games. But Miami actually, you know, had them 1-1, I think, near halftime. And then the the Nulls just took over. Um, So now they're going on the road for the next three weeks. In some big tests, the, the biggest ones they've had the whole season with Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Duke. And this will be interesting for the Knowles because, for, for starters, yeah, they're going to be on the road, which is not the worst thing in this, in this team because we've seen them go on the road before and, and win big games. But how are they going to be able to manage the, the threat in those tires after two years of going to the playoffs and, you know, battling it out? I, I'm curious to see the, the rotation and who steps up. Who, is the, who are the players that – not perhaps the, the the older players because we know Jalen Howell will continue to play in the in the ACC championship or or, where, or I mean ACC tournament. Let's not get carried or carried away and make any predictions. But assuming this team gets there, Jalen Howell will play and Juwi Zhao and Jenna Nyswanger and um, Clara Robbins will probably play. But some of the younger players like Beata Olson, Gianna Mitchell, um, those are the players I'm looking for to see who wants to earn a starting spot or just earn a couple more minutes when it comes to the bigger games. Ben, any thoughts on how FSU will do in the next couple of weeks? Well, I think it'll be um, some good road tests for them for sure. And, you know, when I when I got the pleasure of uh, covering this team last year specifically a few times, uh, the thing that stood out to me was always just like what you were talking about, how it is kind of very similar to Coach Hamilton and what they do in basketball is that they're willing to – to go and play players on their bench who otherwise wouldn't get time at other programs. And um, I, I, like you said, I think you kind of nailed it that you really want to see where the rest of the depth lies on this team after you do get up, uh, uh, out of those, you know, three, four most important players, like you mentioned. And I think, you know, um, you mentioned the ACC tournament, the ACC championship, of course, uh, course the expectation is is that they'll make it there that they should win this year again like they did and I think I just want to see where this team is at in terms of the rest that are depth because right now we know what we're getting out of the top end of this Florida State team and we've seen how successful they can be so just moving forward um do they have that key kind of depth where if they did have a major loss or or, or to suffer any big injuries could they bounce back from that and 
I, I think that's kind of the great thing for Mark Krikorian too, is that he has those options available to him, whereas there's so many other teams um, that would be in a really bad spot if they were going to lose some of those players you mentioned before. But I think, you know, for soccer, um, yeah, they should they should roll through these next couple of weeks. It'll be tough for sure, but they should still roll through these next couple of weeks. And um, I do really want to see where the rest of the team is at because, I mean, like you said, like I said, uh, we know how good the, the, the front runners are on this squad. Um, and, you know, if, if Mark Krikorian can find even more players at the end of the bench, I think that's only better news for Florida State fans. Yeah, and I think – this week's shout-out for me has to be Gianna Mitchell, who actually got a shout-out from FSU Soccer Twitter. She has scored a goal every 35 minutes. She's played in 175 minutes. She's coming as a sub mostly. I think she's maybe started one or two games. Um, but, yeah, Gianna Mitchell is supposed to be a defender, but obviously with the, the, the crazy depth that this team has, she's been moved to striker primarily. Um, FSU not really having a – out and out number nine, except for Beata Olsen, who I interviewed last week. And we talked a little bit about it in, in last week's episode about how she's kind of taken the mantle. She's embraced that number nine role. And and to me, she is FSU's number nine going forward. No doubt about it. She's leading the team in goals as a sophomore transfer. Only played, this is her second semester in, in college soccer um, with experience in the international level as well. So Jonna Mitchell doing the most with the minutes she's had and she definitely brings a different presence that um, Biata isn't able to because of her height. I mean, Gianna is 5'10", and she she commands the presence inside the 18-yard the box. So it's something different for FSU because they're a possession-based team who primarily rely on passing ball on the ground and keeping possession, rotating, and recycling the ball. And while they do cross the ball many, many times during the game, Sometimes one too many, in my opinion. But at the same time, when you add Gianna Mitchell in, in certain moments of the game, I think you can catch teams off guard uh, due to her height and her physicality. Um, but other than that, yeah, I didn't learn much from from these past two games, and the expectations are still the same for this team going forward. So, yeah, I just wanted to shout them out because, I mean, having a 13-0 team is just unbelievable. And the thing I've been thinking about going into the end of the season is, you know, this is the last year for Jalen Howell and some of these other players who I've greatly enjoyed watching and covering. So I'm sure there will be great players coming, you know, next year and, and the year after that because Coach Corin is going to stay, hopefully, I'm assuming. <laughs> but, yeah, is FSU going to ever see the dominance that they've had the last two years? I'm not sure. And for FSU fans who might not be watching these games or who, who know about it but, but just don't care enough, I think – this is my encouragement to them. Please take a look and, and appreciate what you have because this is some level of dominance that's not very common. So, yeah, Ben, any any last thoughts on? No, I, th I think you just nailed it right there. Go out and, and enjoy this FSU soccer team. This is as good as it gets, and this is as dominant as sports gets just in general. Um, so make sure you go out and support them because, hey, right now there's there's not a there's not much else to cheer loudly about at least there's much there's a lot to cheer about but yeah. I don't know if FSU would uh won all those boos at their football games <laughs> yeah I mean FSU athletics there's a lot to cover there's a lot to to look at but 
FSU soccer might take the cake right now, in my opinion. Absolutely. Assuming, you know, basketball doesn't reach new heights, which you never know. You never know with Coach Ham what he's up, what he's got up his sleeve. But with that, I think we can wrap up this episode of Talking Chop. It's been my pleasure having you, Ben. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's It's been a great time, and I'm looking forward to the next episode. So Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm for sure looking forward to basketball this season. We're about a month out, so everyone be on the lookout for Coach Hamilton, FSU basketball. I know I'm really excited. Yes, sir. All right, well, thank you so much for tuning into this weekly episode of Talking Shop. We'll see you next week. Have a good rest of your day. Bye.